0: I always tell people that if you're a fan of watching sports on television but you don't like the people calling the games on television just turn the volume down because to me you know what you're watching if you're a fan of the national football league but you think Chris Collinsworth and uh, and Al Michaels are a bunch of biased individuals, just turn the game down. You don't have to worry about it. Because if you've watched football for a long enough period of time, you know what you're watching. You don't need the window dressing of hearing Chris Collinsworth and Al Michaels. That being said, a big name in the sport of golf and a professional on NBC's golf coverage, Johnny Miller uh, has decided to retire as NBC's golf analyst, and uh, he's uh, going to be stepping aside. So that opens up a door at NBC television and their coverage of the PGA tour joining us right now in the Fox phone lines with that story and more is our next guest we appreciate his time very much from golf News Net, our friend Ryan Balogy Ryan good morning thanks for being with us hey Steve, how are you? I am well sir thanks very much for the time so uh in your mind tell me about Johnny Miller and just uh and his place in, in television history obviously a great golfer in his own right but talk about his time as a as an analyst on NBC television I think he, he changed
1: how golf is covered. Um, he's done this for basically the better part of 30 years at this point, and he became a guy that wasn't afraid to say what he really thought. And this is a sport in golf where everyone kind of just pals around with each other. Whether you even like someone or not, you're nice to them uh, because it's a small sport, kind of this for lack of a better term, brotherhood, because it's mostly male, of um, people who just kind of glad hand with each other and then talk behind each other's back. And Johnny Miller isn't one of those guys. He, is, he will talk about you in front of your back, uh, and he won't talk about you behind your back. And he's a nice man who uh, is very much devoted to his family, but really loves the sport and really loves talking about it. And so he's kind of been on the fence about retirement for the last couple of years and, NBC hadn't figured out who they would have replace him, and they've been trying to figure out who that person would be. And meanwhile, Johnny's kind of said, Yeah, I'll do some more events, I'll do some more events, do some more events. And now he's finally at the place where he's at 71, ready to be retired after playing golf professionally and then you know, for the better part of 20 years and then being the broadcast booth for the better part of 30. So he's really important to, to the history of golf on television. I mean, for basically half of it he's been there so uh, it, it's pretty amazing to see his run come to an end it's going to end next february we'll do one more tournament which is the phoenix open he won it in the 70s and uh, nbc gets it this year only because cbs will be having uh the super bowl the same weekend so it's a p- perfect place for him to go away in his his mind and uh, we'll, we'll miss him i think i think golf will sorely miss uh, Johnny Miller. Johnny
0: Miller, of course, uh, was inducted into the World Golf Hall of Fame in 1998. He took over at NBC in 1990. Uh, it appears that Paul Azinger is being listed right now as the most likely candidate to replace him in the broadcast booth. Talk about Johnny Miller's career as a golfer, because certainly uh, he had his share of historic moments, including the uh, the final round 63 uh, in a major championship when he rallied from six shots back to win the 1973 U.S. Open.
1: Yeah, and if uh, you don't know that Johnny Miller shot 63 in a major, then you've never heard Johnny Miller speak about golf before. He <laughs> finds a way to bring it up a lot. But uh, he did win at Oakmont in incredibly difficult conditions. That was a rainy, kind of wet day where he kind of fired flags. But we won't dispute the importance of the 63, the, first, the really most important one in the history of the U.S. Open. That all said, uh, he was a great golfer for about, Fifty specific weeks in his career, one of the best golfers ever for those fifty specific weeks, and then was really, really good for the others for the predominant part of it. But kind of got into this place in his career where kind of got the putting yips. He, he really could not hold a putt, and that's what kind of drove him away from professional golf and into the broadcast booth. And I, I think the most important win, other than that U.S. Open win, is when he came out of the booth. I believe it was '94, and he won at Pebble Beach. Wow. Came out of the booth and won. I mean, it came out of nowhere. Um, And he just, uh, it's one of those kinds of wins where uh, it's almost like when Tom Watson nearly won the Open at 59, where a lot of people were pulling for him because they knew what he had been through to get back to there at that specific moment. And he pulled off on a regular tour event. So uh, he's done some really cool things in his career. He now owns a piece of the Silverado Resorting, owned it for a long, long time. Uh, out in Nabo, which hosts the PGA Tour. So he can still be involved in golf in that fashion. He doesn't have to call PGA Tour events anymore. And that's not to say he's not going to show up at a Ryder Cup or or something like that here and there, what he feels like. I think the the door will always be open for him to be a part of it. But Paul Eisinger coming in uh, has been basically moonlighting in this job for Fox Sports for the U.S. Open, their U.S. Women's Open coverage. He's going to do those things. Now he's going to add this uh, 12-event docket that NBC pretty much does the the biggest PGA Tour events on the schedule. So it'll be really cool to have Zinger back in the booth on a more routine basis. He is kind of cut from the cloth of Johnny Miller. He means what he says and says what he means, and he's really thoughtful about how he feels about the sport and its athletes and its architecture and and all kinds of facts of it. He's going to be a suitable
0: replacement for Johnny Miller. Ryan Ballinger joining us here on the show. Check out GolfNewsNet.com. Follow them on Twitter at GolfNewsNet. Brooks Kepka named the PGA Tour Player of the Year for 2018. But, of course, winning that title also came with some headlines also out of the Ryder Cup a couple of weeks back in which there was apparently some issues uh, that Brooks Kepka says of reports of an altercation between himself and Dustin Johnson are false. Dustin Johnson's one of his best friends meantime Phil Mickelson he came out against uh, the setup of the Ryder Cup course a couple weeks back over in France obviously there's a lot of he said he said there's a lot of finger pointing and also a lot of oh no no one really means anything that we just said but whatever anyone whatever everyone is saying no, we didn't say that clearly someone said something something went wrong with this U.S. team in France a couple weeks back of the Ryder Cup
1: Apparently, the story now is, is, as told by Golf Week, that Brooks and DJ weren't fighting with each other so much as Brooks and DJ were trying to prevent each other from getting into a scuffle with someone else. That's the running story now, that uh, their conversation of trying to prevent each other from getting into an issue led to an issue, a brief issue between them. Um, I, I have no idea at this point what actually happened because it seems like the story has changed four or five different times from... This happened to that happened to no, it didn't happen to it definitely didn't happen to it. tried to happen uh, to it happened, but it had nothing to do with what you think about. So I, I don't know. I, at this point, I, I don't know. But it, it seems like Brooks has kind of moved on. Dustin Johnson, we won't see again until I believe next week in China. He'll probably play the WGC out there. Brooks definitely playing this week in South Korea until it kind of until something else kind of comes up to confirm some issue in their friendship. I, I don't think that there's a whole lot to worry about here to, to be truthful. They're they're not the most intellectual guys. Uh, so it's not like they're going to hold a long-time grudge over each other, I don't think. Uh, let's get back to listening in the gym, and uh, maybe that's good enough for them. But for Phil Mickelson, at least, uh, I, I think there was some kind of admission of failure on his part in trying to throw the Ryder Cup close course like, off national and it's set up under the bus to basically say, I'm uh, I'm not a fan of those types of courses, and to even go further, which is what Phil does by overcompensating, to say, I'm not going to play any golf course like that anymore on the PGA Tour, which seemingly rules out the U.S. Open in the future. Uh, I know we won't be be skipping that. So he just seems to have kind of gone out of his way to try to make up for or explain away his performance in France, and uh, probably in part because he knows that's going to be the last time at least on foreign soil, he's going to represent the United States in the right of time.
0: Uh, did the results of the Ryder Cup, the results of uh, of his effort in the FedEx championship, the tour championship, did, did any of those things sort of dissuade people maybe a little bit away from this supposed match play that we're supposed to see next month between Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson? Because I can't imagine, based on those performances that we saw from those two individuals, granted, it's a different setup, it's an entirely different thing, but I can't imagine how you bill it how you market it when, they, when those two had such miserable outings the last time a lot of people saw them both in play.
1: That's a good point. Um, we still really don't know much of the details about this thing, and we're a month out, which I find absolutely fascinating. We don't know the price, probably for good reason. We don't know when the match actually starts. You kind of have a sense it's going to be during the mid-afternoon, in Vegas at this point, so it looks like it's going to end around 7.30 East Coast time, but they have no intention of putting floodlights on the golf course. They're apparently not going to have any tickets for the general public right. to attend this. It's just VIPs and sponsors and these guys, teams, and television crews and some media closely, but that also has not been released either, even though I was sworn that last week. So I don't really know why there would be any public interest in this because there's been no conversation about it other than snide remarks that, hey, Bill's playing like crap. Who wants to watch that against Tiger, who just won in his last individual appearance? So I, I think they're kind of shooting themselves in the foot with this, and I don't know why because the people behind them are pretty smart and they have the capability to reach a lot of people between Tiger and Bill and their social channels and all, and all the other stuff that they have access to their fans. So, It seems like this whole thing has been a huge misfire, and I'm not sure that it's going to result in a really positive outcome in terms of buys and intention to this match.
0: Ryan Balgey joining us here on the show. We appreciate his time very much this morning. We are in Korea for the CJ Cup at Nine Bridges. Uh, Obviously, a tournament that was won last year by Justin Thomas. Uh, Give us your impression of that course and who you expect to see on top this weekend.
1: The Nine Bridges Club is really interesting. It's uh, on Jim Island in South Korea, and it's one of those golf courses where there's not a lot of trouble if to, that you have to play over, but if you want to score well, you have to play over it. And so you have to kind of take measure the golf course, risk reward, and then kind of figure out these tricky greens and putting surrounds and putting surfaces to try to score. There's a lot of wind expected on Thursday, and then kind of calms down throughout the remainder of the week. It was the opposite last year. With Thursday, everybody kind of went low or fairly low, and then throughout the rest of the week, par was a really good score. So I think you have to look at out the gate uh, guys who fight the ball well and win, who are solid ball strikers. who can got pretty well, which sounds like top-ranked players. You probably like Justin Thomas. You probably look, look like uh, Brooks Koepka. I think Jim Walker, Frank Snedeker, who almost won the state play open a couple of weeks ago. I think there are a variety of guys who are top-ranked in this field, and then maybe even throw in a guy like Jason Day, who's for some reason came back to this event despite hitting a pretty high ball. But uh, he seems to like this golf course in a way it, it challenges him, so I, w- I would think we're sleeping on him. And then Hideki Matsuyama has played great golf in his last three or four times out, and no one's talking about him. I think he's in line for
0: a good run. Ryan Ballinger, check out golfnewsnet.com. Follow them on Twitter at golfnewsnet. Ryan, we appreciate your time very much this morning. Thanks for being with us. Enjoy the rest of the week, and we'll talk again next week. Thanks, Steve. See You too. Thank you, sir. That's Ryan Ballingy joining us here on the show. We'll wrap up our number.